So Galatians chapter 4, there's a little bit in this short letter of repeating, but it's, it's kind of different enough where it kind of touches uh, on a couple of different um, specific subjects. But I do want to throw this out there um, because in the world that we live in now, um, the world has always been bad. I think pe some people think that it only just got bad, like in the last 20 years. It's always been bad. It's just the, the sins have changed. The, the uh, manipulation of the enemy has changed. And so it seems like things are, uh, oh, my, uh, this is like the worst time ever to live. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think there's been some pretty worst times to live if you study history. But in our day, words matter. Like English in this country, there are certain words you cannot use. There are certain words you just cannot say, um, and they're, they start firestorms. They start uh, church splits. They, I mean, they're, they're just words to avoid, and so we want to be sensitive. You can say anything you want by just choosing the right words, and some folks love to try and uh, shock you. Um, I've, I've heard pastors say stuff where you're like, wow, I don't know if I would have you know, you can, you can wake people up with words like Paul does here without offending everybody. Like just to offend just for the sake of offense is not, um, does not underscore your point. It usually just makes people mad. They can't hear anything else you say. But something needs to be worded in our culture, especially from big, big companies. And they have lawyers that they pay big money with what we call public relations departments. And they merge and they craft these statements that are just as vanilla as can be. And so they don't get in any trouble when they say certain stuff. But I want to um, read a quote from Kay Arthur from her book, uh, Lord, I'm Torn Between Two Masters. <clears throat> she writes in the intro for the book, You may find this hard to believe, but within a few days or weeks, you may want to send this attractive new book sailing rapidly across the room in the general direction of a wall. Now, if you read that book title again and you go, why would she say that? Because it's probably going to be a little convicting. She says, that's the way it is sometimes when books get under our skin and prod us in ways we don't want to be prodded. We feel like tossing them rather than dealing with the issues they present to us. So it's true <clears throat> that people, both saved and unsaved, we live in a world that tries to get a hold of our attention with worldly things both like what you would call creature comforts and stuff and dreams. Like, I want to be this one day. I want to be that. And so our attention um, is very, very distracted in, in our day. And so in this day, something happens when we seek God, and, and, and in their day too, something happens when you and I seek God with a pure heart, and we don't have a motive, and we don't have a time clock on him. And we don't say, hey, you got 15 minutes to wow me, God. We don't, if, if we don't do that, God will show us something spiritual. And that same thing that he's showing us spiritual makes this world lackluster. It's just the way it is. If you really, really turn your heart to hear the word of God and to hear what he might say to you, other things start to fade. Other things start to go and get behind what God's trying to show you. So in Galatians 4, Paul's trying to paint a picture for these Galatian believers because of where they used to be and then where they were when he showed up and taught and discipled and then where they are right now. Very, very different places. But in our day, with words being what they are, we might want to use the word to bosses, um, to employers, 
Uh, master is an interesting word. It almost kind of touches on something slave-oriented, which definitely in their day, Paul was fine with saying, and people didn't have a hard time hearing that. But in a day with words being like allergic reactions to people, we can, we can use that word um, and sort of fill it in and say, okay, uh, I understand what you're saying, that, that if I had two bosses, if I had two employers, and I had to you know, try to serve them both equally with, with two 40-hour uh, periods of time, what would end up happening to me if I tried something like that? So I want to read the first seven verses because we have 20 to get through. Uh, Paul says, now, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. There's so much in this, but I want just the picture um, of what he's trying to say to really sink in because of what happens in verse 8. There are not many freedoms for a kid. When you think about a kid in, in this day that would have inherited, let's say he was like the Caesar's son. Let's say he was the governor's son or the magistrate's son. And he was going to inherit quite a bit. Those types of guys back then, they had a way of kind of keeping their kids in check. Um, we don't really do that tons in our, in our culture because of, once again, um, the things that we have seen on TV and the things that people say and you can't spank a kid and all this other stuff. And, and all of this stuff becomes clouded because somebody abused their kid. Somebody beat their kid like really, really bad in public. And now everyone goes, oh, all spankings are bad because you've... You've been influenced by something that was misused. Obviously, God's not calling us to, to hurt our children in front of a huge audience. Obviously, that's not spare the rod and spoil the child. That's not what it is. But because uh, the world would love to manipulate Scripture and take anything God and try and turn it on its head and try and go, see, this is why God isn't trustable, or this is why God isn't benevolent, see? So freedoms as a kid, you have limited freedom. But you may, if you make it to 18 or whatever their legal age was, it was different, um, you may be inheriting the, the power of the world in a Caesar's case. You may be inheriting um, a country, a state, a jurisdiction. But when you're a kid, you don't have access to that wealth, you don't have access to that power, and you're treated like the servants in the home, in a sense. There is something over you until a time comes. And what Paul was trying to say is, just like that picture, the law kept all of us as people in check. It kept us underneath it. Nobody was above it. Jesus, when Jesus was born, he even says, Jesus was born under the law. Jesus entered in and had the same struggles you and I have. He was tempted in the same exact way. The difference was he didn't have a sinful genetic father. He had Father God. We, all, all sin is passed through Adam. And so we have that problem from day one. He did not have that problem. It doesn't mean he wasn't tempted. It doesn't mean that Jesus couldn't recognize when he was being tempted how beautiful those Texas rolls looked, right? Like Satan's like, 
You could make those butter honey rolls from tea row. And yes, there you go. And all of the power of the world. What does the, what does the scripture say about who's in charge after sin and the curse entered? Satan runs the show around here. Satan influences way more people than, than people realize. And so he goes, hey, just worship me and I'll give, it, I'll give all of this to you. Why don't you show your power off? Show me who you really are. Why don't you jump off this mountaintop? And all of those things he realized were not trusting God. They were trusting in the enemy. They were trusting in this guy who was sent to test this lamb, to test the spirit, to see how Jesus could hold up because he was not above the law. If he was above the law, he probably would have walked into the temple all the time when he was in Jerusalem and shimmied on back to the Holy of Holies and said, what's up, daddy? But he didn't because he was not of the tribe and he played within the rules of the law. So Jesus redeemed those that were under the law that we could become what? Sons and daughters. We could be in the family of God. That was not possible. Whether you were Galatian, whether you're Jewish, before Jesus resurrected from the grave, that was not possible. You could not have a relationship with, with God Almighty where you could call him Abba, which means daddy. And you'll see and hear little kids call their daddies Abba all over uh, Jerusalem. It's the cutest thing in the world. They just scream, Abba, Abba, as they walk down the street. Um, it's, it, it, when you hear that, it just kind of like tattoos this verse into your head. But you are no longer a slave but a son. In other words, you're not under bondage. You are in the family. But, verse 8, but then indeed, when you did not, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God. So who, where did he pick them up? Where did he pick some of these folks up? He picked them up most likely in the Greek mythology, Zeus and Hermes and Aphrodite and uh, all these Greek mythology people. I don't know if you guys ever studied Greek mythology. It's, it's an interesting thing that they throw at you in English literature in junior high. Uh, because once you're done studying, I don't really know why we did, but once you're done studying it, you see these, uh, these it, it, the, the, there's pictures obviously in the book about some of these uh, tales that they tell. And it almost becomes like a comic. It's, 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 I mean, it's kind of entertaining. It's, it's like a comic book come to life. And then you hear these things where they go, oh, and then Zeus did this, and then Hermes did this, and you're like, who in the world can verify any of this? They just say it. They just, if we say it, it's true. But when you did not know God, you served those by nature who are not gods. So your culture threw little gods at you, little g. They threw Greek mythology. They threw Ra, maybe, the sun god. They threw all these things at you and said, hey, you got to worship these things. And there's more gods than you can even come up with. I mean, there's probably another one that wasn't even a god back then, now, that we didn't even know about. Just, I'm just saying, likely is. Verse 9, but now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage. This is huge because this is a problem for all humanity since Adam and Eve. That we could walk into freedom, that we could walk into a relationship like Adam and Eve did have, the, arguably the best one ever that any of us have ever had this side of heaven. And you could have the relationship with God and you still have this choice. You still have this will that says, hmm, what about me? What about what I want? You know, yeah, it's awesome talking to you, God. And yeah, you've made, you've made paradise for us. 
But why go back to something? These guys were being uh, led back through the Judaizers, back into the law, back into Judaism. Specifically, they had to uh, go back to celebrate the festivals of the Holy Days, um, the Year of Jubilee, all these things. So you're now known by God, but you're going back, and now you're going to be slaves of a different kind. Um, like I said before, it doesn't matter which little g it is. Um, you, can, you, you, you go back to these things, and it doesn't matter if one of them's like goodish. Well, isn't Judaism like better than Zeus? I could hear some of them saying that. Well, are you just comparing? Like, if there's two directions, if there's heaven and hell, then Zeus is like deep hell maybe, and like Judaism uh, to justify you is like maybe like shallow hell. Still hell. I mean, I don't know. Um, there's not, I don't think there's rates of sin. There's consequences to sin, but sin delivers us to death. That's why Jesus died. It doesn't matter if the sin was like minuscule. It doesn't matter if they're like, but, but Jesus came through Judaism. So isn't this a good thing? It's not that. It's what you're saying. What you're saying is I can self-justify. What you're saying is Jesus alone on his, on his own isn't enough. But I got to go back. I got to start doing. These people weren't even, many of these people weren't even Jewish. So they're going back to something they don't even have a history with. I understand some people that had history with it, struggling with it, like some of the disciples. I understand some of that. But when you go back to anything, there's only two directions in life. Satan would love to tell every person that won't listen to God that there are 50, 100, thousands, millions of directions that you can go. I mean, that's basically what Hinduism says. Hey, earnestly try to uh, pursue God or something holy or whatever. And as long as you're earnest, you'll get to the top of the mountain. That is so opposite of what the biblical gospel teaches people that, um, like I was watching the Veggie Tales with uh, St. Patrick, um, one of the greatest things ever. And St. Patrick was obviously, um, became a prayer warrior. And so one of the, in, in this actual cartoon, they were earth worshipers. There's a lot of that Wiccan um, that comes out of uh, Ireland and, and uh, the British Isles. And one of them goes, hey, here's a stick. Do you want to worship it? And he goes, no, thanks. I'm good. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is earth worship. Earth is beautiful, right? God made it. You know, I love, I love the bumper sticker that has the E and the H out and it just says art. God's an artist. This place is beautiful, except for where we pave it and put Amazon fulfillment centers. Um, the, then it becomes really ugly. Um, Sorry, I have one in my backyard, and I'm not, I'm not over it yet. Uh, a big concrete box that used to be a river area. Uh, five, five, uh, five acres of uh, black asphalt now holding heat uh, all summer. There where it used to just be a beautiful desert. But all that to say, the earth is beautiful, that the mountains are beautiful, that rivers are beautiful, and there's still beautiful places that haven't been messed with. But it's still just something that God made. It, it wasn't, it isn't God, and it, it, it was created like us, like the angelic. And so he's like, I don't care what you're going back to. Why would you? That's the question. Like, who cares what it is? Who cares if you kind of like Zeus still? Who cares if you're scared of him when it's raining and lightning bolts might come? And you think that that actual lightning bolt is him. Maybe they did. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of superstition out there that it find, it's tough to get it out of the head sometimes. But once you've been known by God, how is it you turn back to beggarly elements? These are low-lying fruit. This is, this is garbage. What's your trading right now in Jesus to go back to the law? I don't think you Galatians really understand it. The Judaizers have made it sound really slick, like an amazing snake oil salesman. But you guys can't possibly get there. 
No one ever has. God Almighty had to step down to fulfill the law. He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. It's hard to put these things into words because we're reading a letter that, yes, has some age to it, but Paul is agonizing over these folks, missing the point after he gave them so much of his blood, sweat, and tears. When you go as a missionary, especially in this day when you're establishing churches for the first time, and you go through and you disciple people, and you don't just share the gospel one Friday night and then blow out of town and expect them to just develop on their own. You, you spent time with them. You loved on them. You showed them the real Christ. You showed them the real Jesus. It's hard for us to understand how much this hurts him. He gave them one thing. He gave them the pure gospel. And now they're casting it aside and they're going back to the law. And because the Judaizers are really, really, really convincing, um, in verse 13, or excuse me, 12, he goes, Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of my physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despair or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. This is huge for a lot of reasons. I want to stop just a little bit. Um, there's a lot of people who get hung up on like, oh, Paul must have had this like pink eye on steroids. Uh, Paul must have had just a nasty, nasty eye booger that, that was like a patch. Whatever it was. There's a lot of people who just get derailed by this, and it's like, it's just a detail in the story. What he's saying is, I was really not very presentable. Um, we live in a culture where um, the, the Joel Olstein and his wife, I mean, they look, they dress to the, to the nines or whatever that, that, whatever that saying is. I mean, the guy's wearing suits, his hair is perfect, um, his wife's, you know, I mean, they, they're wearing like, expensive clothes, they travel in style, <clears throat> and the people in their church really, really, really like that. Now, if Joel Osteen showed up next week looking like Paul showed up at this church, some people would bail because they're used to a clean, sanitized product up there. Like, well, a pastor needs to have like um, this type of look and he has to have uh, Armani suits and, you know, I mean, he's got a G650 or whatever. I mean, it's you know, that's a nice plane. I don't know that the church should pay for it. You know what I'm saying? $50 million jet. I don't know. I don't know who's paying for it, but he's got something along those lines. But Paul's saying, look, I showed up and you guys didn't like throw me aside. You didn't cast me aside. You didn't despise me or reject me. And I, my issue was right in front of you guys. And sometimes human beings, they, we just have this hard time getting past physical. Because if a homeless guy, if I went on vacation and I put a guy up here that I pulled out of the, out of the river over here and he was sleeping in a box and he hadn't showered in a month and, you know, hair was all gnarly and dirt in it and such and the beard had a donut in it. Um, but, he, but you guys would be like, oh, who's this? I mean, I know you would because it's like, who is this guy? We don't know. You're like, is it Jim? Um, just kidding. Uh, Jim, what happened in a week, bro? Um, are you in a movie soon? Because that's got to be makeup. But if this person taught and, and everybody was just like, wow, that is from God, you would have no, like, if he's just teaching, you're like, dude, we're going to listen to this guy. Like, he came in, he blessed us, he taught the word. It was awesome. 
you're still maybe going to be like, yeah, but it was really stinky. You know, like at the end, maybe you'd be like, eh, it was a little stinky. Um, why can't you shower? We shower in this culture. I heard uh, there's a lot of Russian jokes. My whole life, there's always been a lot of Russian jokes around my, my circle of friends. And I asked this Russian guy, I go, what is it with Russians and like, like, like the bathing thing? Like they mock us for showering every day. They're like, oh yeah, like in, in Russia, um, like a bit, uh, like your aunt, your month or weekly bath is like, that's what they do. Now, granted, I know it's cold. There's not as much summer sweat like here, but still like, that's a thing. They think we're stupid. They think we're like, like you guys are way too clean. It's like if you met somebody who showered hourly, you'd be like, Ooh, that's weird. That's too much. They think that about us. But if you come into a culture where people kind of expect a presentation, you should at least try to like, hey, I don't want that to be a stumbling block. But this wasn't possible to hide with a pirate patch or whatever. This was right in front of it. And what does he say after that? Um, what then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Whether or not this was an eye disease, whether or not this was a result um, of after God saying, hey, my grace is sufficient, leave it alone. Your appearance, your weakness, your whatever gnarliness of the eye, trust me, I'm going to work with it. And trust me, people are going to accept the message where I send you. I'm sending you. I'm telling you where to go. They're going to take the gospel. They're going to receive it. And he's saying, you guys loved me like no other. You received the message. I discipled you. You were, it was, it was like you would honestly have given me your own eye, which I, you know, once again, I don't know because it's not said specifically. And there's a lot of commentators who go, um, you got to bail out on this whole like eye thing because it's not the point. But at the same time, I was watching this blind guy walk down the street the other day with this stick and he was on Grant Road and that made me scared because he's walking on the sidewalk and Grant Road sidewalk's like two feet from somebody's towing truck mirror, which is true. And he has a, a stick with a little ball on the end, which he can feel uh, where the curb was, where the uh, buckles are on the concrete, where the edge of it is. And I'm watching this guy and I'm like, man, eyes, I don't know if God's like, hey, pick one sense to not have. I'm not, I'm not giving up my eyes. Maybe that's more the thing, like to not hear, to not smell. I don't know. Like I want them all. It's a, it's a miracle that we wake up and everything works on us any day of the week. As you get older, as I'm getting older, I realize, wow, I guess that lower back pain is kind of always going to be there now. Yeah. You wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, it's tight. No matter how I sleep. It's just like, hey, you're not 25 anymore. Just a reminder from Jesus. Thank you. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm blessed enough that when I do some exercises and by, by eight or nine in the morning, that's passed. But to be without an eye, I, I think it's just one of those things that he's saying your most prized organ that you would never want to leave. You guys, that's how you were with me. Verse 17, I want to spend some, some time on. They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. Think about um, when you watch a movie and there's some like playboy man who's going to take advantage of some person, some girl. Okay. When you, when you hear him talk, you know, there is no good behind those words, right? You, you go, Oh, this guy's a scumbag. Uh, this guy's terrible, terrible, run away, run away. It's a Hallmark movie. You know, they all have the same exact story. 
in the end, the, the widow or whatever is going to meet the Prince Charming who she really always needed to be with. And it's going to be a wonderful Christmas miracle. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I've unfortunately seen a few of them, and they all in the exact same way. They court you. Why in the world would these people come in to a young fellowship that doesn't have years and years of rootedness in the scriptures and start to tell them and slalom in uh, Jewish uh, law and Jewish tradition and, hey, guess what? Satyrs are awesome. Well, of course they are. They're wonderful. I I think they're awesome when people do them. But you're not doing it to be um, recognized by Jesus for like, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm like from Norway, but I'm doing a Jewish thing. You love me now? You love me a little bit more now? No, not at all. But these guys are zealously coming in, zealously courting this, this group of churches, these Galatian churches, and they're coming in and they're feeding them this lie that they have to go back to something. And at the same time, Why? And I ask this question of you, if you ever hear some teacher, there's 8 million teachers between podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, you can find any, you can find a pastor in the middle of nowhere in a country you've, you will never go to, and you can hear some little sermon from Facebook or whatever. It's, it's pretty remarkable that this stuff is, is so available on, through just a little telephone. But when you hear somebody and you go, wow, I've never heard, that sounds really cool, That sounds really slick. That sounds really spiritual. What's the angle? Always ask what the angle is. Always judge it. Always go back. If it's not somebody that you know and trust, and they're literally quoting scripture, and they're just exposing what the scriptures really do actually say, and the angle is not that you will love them or that you will make them rich. The angle is that you, the pastor, would feed them. That's it. When it's not that, we have to, you have to, take Whatever this is, and you have to take it back to the scriptures and go, now where does that fit in? And so let's just do it. Where does it fit in that I must, as a non-Jewish Gentile convert of Jesus Christ in 2023, where should I find in the scriptures that I must go put myself back under the law, that I must go keep the festivals, that I must go back into tradition and put it on par with Christ's sacrifice on the cross for me. Where should I? The answer is nowhere. And in Galatians chapter 1, it says that if anybody gives it to you like this, this specifically, like these Judaizers, if it's an angel, if you see an angel come out of what looks like the sky and they say, here's the New Testament, not from Joseph Smith, but from whoever, and they go, you need to go back to the law. You need to put yourselves under bondage. You need the yoke of the law over you guys again. If anybody ever says this to you, including me who wrote the letter, Paul, let them be accursed. This is a very dynamic book. It is very short and it is very, very clean. And I'm going to tell you right now, if if there was anybody who could manipulate through Jewish brilliance, through making amazing arguments because he was basically a lawyer and lawyers are the ones in our society that make these great arguments. If anybody could do it, if anybody could court them for money, for them to love them. It's been said that that cults are started with the three P's, pleasure, power, and I forgot the third one. Um, I'll think of it in a second. Um, Power, pride, pleasure. 
So if you if you look at why Colts start, the guy who's starting it or the girl who's starting it is getting one of those things, if not all three, from people and then keeping them low and then keeping them, well, you can't talk to his grace or his excellency or whoever he is. He has a robe. He's in back. What has he been doing? He's, he's glowing with Jesus right now in the back. We have to take off his halo and he'll come out here and give you a word. This is weird stuff. There's cults all over the world that believe this type of stuff. And so he's just telling them straight up, am I an enemy because I'm telling you the truth? What did I say a few years back when I was, when I was there? I said the same stuff that I said in Galatians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And if I could get there right now, if I could get to you guys right now, I would say it again. And maybe even a little gentler. Because Paul's a lawyer. Remember, lawyers don't usually, when they're typing depositions out, um, it's, pretty, it's generally pretty matter of fact. So I want to talk just briefly about receiving versus rejecting. So when we receive from God, when we receive from his Holy Spirit, when we receive from time in God's word ourselves, that's for the Spirit of God to lift us up, right? It's for the Spirit of God to feed us and lift us up and confirm that union. Confirm that, hey, Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. What's my hope of, hope of glory outside of Christ? Nothing. I have no hope. So Christ in me is the hope of glory. Not Christ in me and Judaism. Not Christ in me and a little bit of Zeus, a little bit of Aphrodite, a little bit of Ra, a little bit of earth worship, a little bit of whatever, a little bit of good deed. No, because all that stuff, some of that stuff is not even bad. Good deeds, they're not bad. God, in the last verse he talked about, uh, or in the last chapter, he talked about how, or Ephesians, how God has prepared you to do these things. God has gifted you, if you are in Christ, that you're going to use that gift. It's going to edify you, but it's going to bless others too. And those good things have been prepared beforehand. God knows that they're going to happen. But in this case, it's the receiving first and then rejecting second. That's what he's so upset about. He's saying, you guys have accepted um, this, this false gospel because maybe, maybe you've been manipulated by these people so that you'll be zealous for them to come back and zealous for them to keep bringing in, hey, next uh, month is the moon festival or whatever, and we're going to be back and you're all going to take part. And if you don't, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to make it in this life. I mean, the manipulation could know no bounds. That's why Paul's so upset. But they want to exclude you. They want to keep you away from the inner circle because the inner circle is the only thing they care about. And what is that? That's them. That's their ego. That's the power. And look, if you give people a little bit of power, a lot of people will go, oh, I want more. I want a little bit more than that. That's why politicians aspire to run up the ladder because the power is so crazy. It's like a drug. And they it, it, it becomes like... You're always on TV. You're always a big deal. Your words sometimes become law. You're a big deal. And what happens? goes to your head. Can you ever be the kind of person you used to be when you were 25 and you were working at Starbucks? Nah. You'll never be that person again because you're drunk with power and you've let it completely, you've let it completely saturate inside of you and now you can't hear. And it was a little bit like what, how we'll close this. He's saying, guys, it's not bad to be zealous good to be zealous in a good thing always. And not only when I'm present with you, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. 
I would like to present with you now and change, excuse me, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone for I have doubts about you. This is where the warning light, you know, like the thing on your dash that starts bleeping, not the check engine light. When the check engine light like blinks, that's when your car is like about to literally fail. That's when things are really bad. That's when you shut the car off. When you see a warning light, we all look at those lights. Our cars have lights all over. There's 80 warning lights now. He's sending this letter as a warning. He's sending this letter as, yes, an encouragement for those that would, that would run back and go, ooh, yeah, we've been listening to these guys. We thought it was fine because they told us Jesus was Jewish. We love Jesus, so a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Jew, or a little bit of Judaism, great. No, it's not like that. We always have to ask, what is the angle? There has always been spiritual manipulation in the world. What do you think Satan gave to Eve? The manipulation of he is so wise, he is so great. He knows that God's holding out on you. And so what do you do? You go over and you take that shiny apple, which, which would have been anybody would have wanted it simply for one reason, because they were told they can't, because that's how kids are. That's, and we, all we are is older kids, they say. So people telling you that um, the, these are the things you must do to get support, People putting you on a trip to elevate themselves. Oh, if you don't support our ministry, you know, what's to, what's to come of us if you don't give? Um, when you listen to a, a sermon, when you listen to a teaching, when you listen to a person and you feel a contrast is being put between you and them. Now, the contrast here is all of us. Everybody that's here in this right now, the contrast is all of us. We are all people. And if we're in Christ, then we're all on the same level. If we're not then the only level is, hey, you need Christ. Like, this is the gospel, that you are going to spend an eternity away from Christ in hell if you don't accept Christ and his truth. And so that's the only level there is. But when you listen to somebody and they set one up between you and them, they sort of exclude you or they, they sort of push you back. Now we have to look at the books. Now we need to look at the monthlies. Now we need to look at where this person goes. <laughs> And there's been a lot, unfortunately, there's been a lot of Christian celebrities over the years that when you find stuff out about them or after they die, it's really, really, really horrible. It's really, really sad. So Paul is agonizing once again over how they have strayed. It's like, I'm like a mom that's, that's, that's in labor. That's like, it's, it's so painful. It's so brutal what you, what you guys are giving, what you're buying into right now. I'm telling you, I know it's just a letter, and back then letters were the thing, but it's tough sometimes to express how much you care in, pa in writing, in paper, in text, whatever, email. You want to say it to them. You want to look them in the eye, and you want to say, guys, what I gave you, you need to go back to it, or there's real, real peril. He says, I'm, I'm literally worried about you. I'm, I, I have my doubts about you guys fulfilling being a church. Sometimes you can say something in person a little gentler. Like I said, use your words properly in our day. But here's a concluding thought. Jesus said in Matthew, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. That's just the way it is. Imagine somebody working 40 hours a week for Coke and then Pepsi. And they just, however they can do 80 hours. I know some people have worked 80 hours in a week. However they can do it. And the boss at Pepsi goes, man, you started out great, but you've been slacking. It's like you're tired when you get in here at 6 a.m. 
and you're like, mm-hmm, yep, I'm sorry, I'll try and get more sleep. There's just not enough hours in the day. Because at 2 o'clock, you run across the street in Hotlanta, Georgia, and you go work for Coca-Cola, and you work there until 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and you come home, and you take care of your stuff, and you eat with your family, and by the time you get up, it's 5 hours or 6 hours tops, 7 days a week. How can you possibly give them your heart and soul, both of them? It's not possible. You don't have that ability. I don't have that ability to do. There are many choices in this life, but God will not let his children serve idols and him. We see this over and over again in the book of Judges. If you read the book of Judges, it is a, it's a nasty, nasty piece of history, let's just say. Um, not Israel's finest hour. They didn't really have that many awesome awesome hours in the Old Testament, but this was really bad. I want to close with a quote from Dan Stone. He says, any activity that's giving you your identity is an idol. I think we really need to hear that one more time. Any activity that's giving you your identity is an idol and is contributing only to the flesh. Our flesh thinks it needs external things or activities to give it life. It really does. It wants compliments. It wants external affirmation. It wants the place of authority. We are dangerous people living out of our flesh as Christians because we're using others to validate us, which is exactly what the Galatians were doing. They were validating themselves by placating and, and agreeing with the Judaizers. Oh, yes, this is great. Bring in more tradition. Bring in more things that we don't know about. And we'll all just bow to it. And we'll push Jesus to the back burner. Once again, because when we use others to validate us, it's an idol. But when we no longer need those externals, when who we are in Christ and who he is has become foundational truth in our life, then we can handle the externals because we don't need them for our identity. God will take us through situations again and again and again to bring us to the place where he is our total life. For the Christian, that is a great thing and it hurts. I'm going to read it one more time. If you're a Christian, God is going to take you through situations, if need be, again and again and again, that is a cycle, like the Judges, like the book of Judges, to bring us to the place where he is our total life. That's the point of living down here, is so that you're safe for his, his place. Because he's not going to bring people up there that have been influenced by Satan going, hey, he's holding out on you. Because that happened once. And Satan was thrown out. God is not going to share his glory with anybody he doesn't need to. He never will. And we don't deserve it anyway. Uh, some people walk around and they think that they deserve it, but let's just be honest. God Almighty, if you know what we know, nobody deserves to be on par with him because we're all created and we have all blown it. We've all messed up in this life. But if need be, God will take us through that same situation again and again and again to bring us to the place where he maybe pries our little grubby hands off of the idols that we've held in the past. Let's pray. <clears throat> uh, God, I pray that... Uh, if uh, we are in need of that, God, that you would, that you would very quickly uh, move that to the forefront, Lord, that you would show us if we're trusting in anything but you. And God, we are prone to do it. We're prone to wander. We're prone to look at other stuff. But I do pray, Lord, that we would have the, 
uh, sober minds to really look clearly at you and say, Jesus, you are enough. Come and be my life. Let me abide in you. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.